Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity. Stories of perseverance. Stories of accomplishments. And maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez. And I want to hear your story. Welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. This is episode 152, the Big Sugar Recap. I'm your host, Dave Dolomite Martinez. And yes, we're going to talk about my one of my big races this year, and that is the Big Sugar Gravel race that I did, 104 miles in Bentonville, Arkansas. And if you listen to the previous episode, it was about the Little Sugar the uh, 50K mountain bike. And so it ended up being on two separate weekends. So I made a big, um, you know, big trip out of it to where I ended up staying out there uh, 10 days, got an Airbnb. So, you know, this is the continuation of part two, if you will, but separate race altogether. So how did it go? Well, let's start off, you know, you know with my recovery. I mean, I finished that, uh, you know, the mountain bike race on Sunday and uh, Monday was a, you know, I took it easy, just a recovery, a rest day. I got some work done and that's one of the benefits in, in the job that I have, the position that I have, that I could bring my laptop with me and work. And uh, so I ended up doing that, went to a, a coffee shop, worked there for a while and, uh, you know, just walking around town and just really kind of exploring and seeing, uh, the city. And as, as if you, uh, heard and listened to the previous, uh, previous episode, you know, that I kind of fell in love with Bentonville, um, just the community, the, the trail networks, uh, the walkability and, and bikeability of not having to drive a car. Um, while, while I was there, I was probably half a mile from, the town square. So a lot of things were, you know, easily, um, I could walk to bike to. And so I, you know, over 10 days, I only drove my car three times. And one was when I arrived to go to the grocery store to go grocery shopping. Another time where I went to a museum and another was, uh, after the race where we, there was a, a party, a post-race party, which I'll get into all that as well. Um, so, you know, like I said, Monday was just a, a rest day, got a lot of work done, walked around a little bit, tried to, you know, loosen up the legs, um, massage the legs. I could carry, uh, you know, when I travel, I bring the Theragun mini with me to kind of loosen up the muscles, massage the legs and, uh, help me recover. So Tuesday ended up being, um, an easy day. It was a recovery day, you know, as well, but it was, a, I used it as a recovery ride. So I ended up uh, taking the mountain bike out and exploring some of the trails, um, some which, you know, I had written, you know, on Sunday, but, you know, to ride around the town, explore and really just kind of get lost. And that's what it was all about. It's like, let's go see where this trail goes. Where does that go? And maybe let's try this little feature here. And, um, so I ended up riding, um, you know, a good amount and came, uh, to this, you know, very cool kind of, you know, feature there that, if, um, you know, it's a bit intimidating because it was a lot of rocks and, you know, it had been constructed with this little ramp and bridge and all this. And so I rode up this climb and just kind of explored a little bit and, uh, ended up at, uh, the Crystal Bridges, um, museum and their property. Now they were closed that day. Um, so that Tuesdays they tend to close and I guess they do a lot of maintenance and, and work because I did see a lot of, um, you know, maintenance crews, trimming trees and that stuff kind of stuff. Um, 
And I had already made plans to go to Crystal Bridges uh, specifically to see the Frank Lloyd Wright house that they had on display. And, you know, a little known fact or a little, you know, tidbit about me is that when I was a kid, I wanted to get into architecture. That was uh, my choice, uh, my career choice that I had uh, had, uh, had sort of kind of discovered on and was interested in. And Frank Lloyd Wright was, you know, my favorite architect. So um, if you're not familiar with Frank Lloyd Wright, you might be familiar with some of his work, specifically um, the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. He designed that. He did a lot of other, you know, he did some commercial uh, type of, you know, um, the architecture, but he did primarily residential uh, design and some of his designs um uh, you know, are still you know being copied today, and in his work influenced a lot of the design and architecture that is that you see even to this day. So you know, I rode around you know Crystal Bridges, and it was nice because they actually have trails on their property, which I thought was very cool. To not only do you have trails, and and I'm I'm talking about paved trails, but also mountain bike trails. Um, that you can ride it to the museum, but then they also have that they, you know, they extend into and onto their property, which is kind of cool. So you really could ride into the museum um, or to the museum, not inside, obviously. And so that was kind of cool to kind of see that and also kind of get a lay of the land because if I was going to, you know, go there the following day when they were open and I had, you know, uh, you know, made reservations for the exhibit at the, you know, for Frank Lloyd Wright's house, then I sort of kind of like what to expect when I got there. So, um, so that was, you know, Tuesday, like I said, you know, Wednesday was, I, I went out for an easy run, you know, six mile run. And, um, at this point I had, hadn't been doing a lot of running because it's was leading up to the, to the, you know, the bike race. And prior to that, I'd done a 22-mile long run in preparation for New York City, which that'll be the next podcast because that was the next race that came up. So I'm still on that, uh, you know, uh, runner's high and that experience from not only, you know, racing in Bentonville, but also my visit in New York and racing the New York City uh, Marathon. So I needed to get a run in. I didn't want to, you know, uh, not run at all. So I just did an easy run, felt good. Um, and then went to the museum and, um, you know, drove there, um, only because I didn't want to ride there and be kind of sweaty and stuff. And I figured it was a nice place and it really is a nice place. And one of the things I found out is that the entire museum is free. It is open to the public and free except on Tuesdays. Um, and that's all funded by the Walmart family. And that is very cool to have artwork, um, and you know, that is open and shared freely. And I thought that is very cool. I made a reservation, um, uh, to the Frank Lloyd, uh, right, you know, uh, exhibit because they have limited amount of people there. So it was free to go and got to experience that. And I won't get too much into the, the house because it's not an architecture podcast, but I was very surprised by the house. Um, it, I, based on images I'd seen, I thought it'd be much larger, but the interesting thing that I thought was that the house had been, you know, built in New Jersey, um, and was designed by, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright for one of his students. And I guess it was purchased, you know, you know, decades later and it was falling apart and they were trying to renovate it and it just became too much. So the museum, um, basically said, we will take the house, we will renovate it, we will maintain it. And they 
basically took the house apart brick by brick and it is made out of stucco brick, so the concrete blocks. And so they took that apart completely, every window pane, every sheet of glass, every shelf, every piece of material, and they loaded it onto a truck. It's not like they just loaded on a flatbed type of, you know, trailer or anything. They literally took it apart and constructed it and put it, it back together on their property. So I thought that was very cool to kind of hear that story. So, um, so that was Wednesday. Um, Thursday was the first shakeout ride. So they had several of these. They had at least two or three a day um, with different people. Um, and so the first uh, day um, I did the shakeout ride, which is this is one with uh, Lachlan Morton. And he was he's with EF um, Cycling. And so, you know, I had I'd become familiar with some of these names leading up to the race because I've been following the lifetime, you know, series, uh, the Grand Prix series and kind of seeing what are these individuals who's racing and sort of kind of following the same way you would follow, you know, your favorite runner or, you know, a sports team, right? You start getting invested in the sport and some of the individuals that are racing. So, you know, we go out and it's, it's a large group. It was, um, I mean, easily over a hundred individuals out there riding. And so we head out, um, to pre-ride part of the course. Now, I didn't really realize, you know, where, you know, what direction we're going in, whether we were, you know, following the start of the course or where we're at. And it, was, it wasn't until later that I realized that what we were riding was really the last part of the course. So we were riding out and then riding back. And um, so it was an out and back. And paces were going, were, were pretty fast. Um, we were at some sections riding probably about 20 miles an hour. And I got kind of concerned because I'm like, I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, you know, start and show up on race day tired from these shakeout rides because I just put too much effort in. So I, I yeah, I wanted to be, I want to be conservative, conservative. And so I knew that any other riding would have to be easier that Thursday gave me enough time to just, you know, ride, you know, at a, um, fairly elevated pace and, but not completely bury myself. And so that was kind of cool because, um, you know, there's, you know, so Lachlan Morton, I didn't see him at the beginning, um, because it was just that many people. And he was of course at the front, I was sort of like middle and the, even the group got split off at some point there, it got kind of got separated into two groups. And I was like at the tail end of that front group. And at one point I see Lachlan off on the side of the road and he's obviously taking a bathroom break. And he, you know, at one point kind of rides up alongside me and I was able to exchange, you know, it's like, Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Great ride. Great to meet you. You know, and it was, he was very pleasant. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of cool that, you know, this is an individual that, you know, even though he's riding gravel, he's done some amazing things and he's more of an endurance type athlete. He just did the, you know, some, you know, multi-day bike ride and, um, and, uh, you know, he's, you know, I think he came in second at Leadville 100 mountain bike race a couple of years ago, but this is a guy that rode in Europe. You know, he, um, rode at the Vuelta de España. So in the Spain, uh, in 2017, the tour of Italy, the Giro d'Italia in 2022 or 2020. And so the, the guy's got some cred. I mean, he's, he's a legit bike racer. He was racing in Europe. And, um, so that was kind of cool to be able to, you know, you know, ride alongside him even for a few seconds, you know? So it's like, 
you know, it'd be like, you know, tossing the ball with Tom Brady or, or, you know, or, you know, your favorite quarterback or something. It's just that it's kind of cool to do that. You know, that's the best way that I can kind of explain it. Um, and so, you know, we, we ride out, we ride back and, you know, like I said, it, it was a great ride, get a you know, feel for the course. And you realize that it's going to be very dusty because it's dry. It hadn't rained since the Sunday prior. And, uh, when we were doing the mountain bike race, so it was dusty. And there, so there's times where you're riding, you can barely see ahead of you because everyone in front of you is kicking up a lot of dust. It's, it's very dry. And of course you're getting experience, um, you know, for the gravel that's there and how to ride through that. And, uh, and there's, like I said, some sections you can go 20 miles an hour. Um, and there were some climbs as well, but so it gave us a little bit of a taste of what to expect. Um, and, and, uh, like I said, it was only 30 miles. So we only saw really truly 15 miles of the course. So 15 miles out, 15 miles back. So that's a very small, percentage of the course when you're talking about a total of 104 miles. So, you know, uh, uh, the rest of the day, I, you, know, I, you know, they had a whole expo um, set up at, at the middle of the, t- of the town, at the town square, where they had a lot of vendors and stuff. So I got to see that. Um, and, you know, I, I lucked out somehow. I ended up getting like free set of bike tires, a complete set of bike tires. The tires that I use on my bike, I got, a, you know, two of them. Um, because, you know, someone was there and they're like, hey, do you need tires? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm good. And like, no, no, you can have these. And so the vendor there was, you know, gave me free tires. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. You know, and they had stuff that they were kind of giving out, but I got to look at some of the, the different, um, you know, other bike manufacturers were there. Um, there, they had a lot of people, um, you know, uh, you know, booths and tents like you would at any expo where they're like, you know, sampling nutrition, uh, untapped, which if you're not familiar is, is basically uh, maple syrup. We have that in one of our stores. Um, so got to sample some of that. They had Kodiak cakes, which is, you know, basically pancakes and waffles. And they were, you know, for that, for like three or four days, they're out there and they're just flipping, you know, uh, flapjacks and getting sampling and, you know, and you're using untapped maple syrup for, you know, to, for your, for your pancakes. So they were doing all that. So that was kind of cool to have that energy and, and so many people around and just look at the newest technology and, and sample some things. And of course they also had packet pickup. So I was able to do that on Thursday. So, um, Friday was, uh, you know, a, another shakeout ride with, you know, one of the top, you know, guys out there. I mean, and I'll, I'll say Lachlan Morton's, he's one of the top, he's, you know, finishing easily top 10, even top, three, you know, depending on the race, but the, the, the guy that's right now really in the, in these series, who's really kind of, you know, killing it out there is Keenan Swenson. Um, and, um, and, and, and Alexi Vermeulen, who has won a couple races, you know, uh, himself this year and has performed very well this year. So it was a, once again, it was a fast pace. I think we had, I would say 300 riders out there. So the group broke up, uh, into like, I would say probably maybe three or even four groups. I was probably in the second or third group. Um, once again, I was I'm, I wasn't going out to ride really hard, um, but they did a good job where they came to a spot, they regrouped at the turnaround point, waited for everyone to kind of come through, and then you know rode back. Um, so I didn't get a chance to really you know see um, or talk to Keegan or Alexi. So we're riding back and of course, you know, I'm, I'm like just taking it kind of easy, you know, trying to conserve my energy, you know, 
this is Friday, race is Saturday. So I don't want to bury myself trying to keep up with a, with a fast group or a fast pace. And so we're probably about, you know, three miles, um, from, you know, from the town square again, and we're on the road, um, because you do have to ride, you know, a, a bit, you know, uh, you know, several miles, um, to get to the actual gravel, um, course. And, you know, the, uh, you know, guy, young guy rides up alongside me and it's like, Hey, how you doing? How's things going? How'd you, how do you feel? How's the ride going? So we struck up a conversation and we just started kind of talking and, at one point, I just kind of look over and I'm like, I'm seeing his kit, you know, he's got like sponsor logos everywhere. And sometimes you don't know whether, you know, it's just someone bought a a jersey or something, you know, that's their favorite team, you know, it's like someone wearing a Falcons jersey. It's like, that doesn't mean they initially play for the Falcons, right? So I just like looked over, I said, you know, I was like, hey, are you one of these elite guys, you know, one of these pros that are racing here on Saturday? And he, you know, he said, yeah, yep. And I was so I was like surprised because here's a pro riding at the back of the pack, you know, with me, and we're just struck up a conversation. They're everyday individuals. Um, and so we started talking. I started asking him questions like, oh, where have you raced? What you know, what's it, you know, what's your experience been like? And so he's raced in, you know, Australia, China, Japan, um, and and now he's here in the US, which of course, you know, a lot of these riders that have ridden overseas are now preferring to participate in this series because it is one closer to home, but there's also a lot more potential for them to make money through the prizes that, you know, the prize money at these races, but also through the sponsorship. So it's a lot easier for them. Um, and it's a little bit more, um, enticing for them to stay here in the States. So that was cool to ride with him. His name was Griffin Easter, really nice guy. Um, started following him on social media and even, you know, said something and he messaged back. It's like, Hey, yeah, great meeting you. You know, so that was, that was very cool. And that's one of the things I liked about these type of events is that, you know, everyone's really accessible, you know, um, and, and just down to earth, um, and just, you know, really friendly and, and, you know, sharing this, you know, a love of cycling and a love of the sport. And like, we're on the same course, you know, riding together. So to do that with Lachlan, uh, Morton and to do that with uh, Griffin Easter was very, very cool. Um, and like I said, they could have dropped me at any point, but it was just so nice to, that, uh, that, uh, you know, um, to have that experience, something I'll remember. And, you know, it's just, it's just, like I said, it's just very cool. So because we got back to the town square and there's a lot of activity and, and, you know, the booths are open again and, and, you know, the vendors are out there and sampling stuff like they did the previous day. But they also had a couple presentations, a couple like maybe clinics or things, informative type of sessions that they were having on the stage. Um, so I hung around, you know, for a bit and checked out a little bit more stuff, asked, you know, talked to a couple of the vendors, um, started looking at, you know, some of the bikes there. So I kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, a titanium gravel bike and road bike and started asking a couple of questions about that. So maybe that'll be my next bike down the road. Um, but, uh, you know, just, you know, getting information just learning about the sport and, uh, you know, learning about new products that are out there as far as nutrition and stuff. So then afterwards, once again, the idea of everyone being accessible was very, very cool. And one of the things that they had was this autograph session where, you know, the, all, you know, not all of the pros, but a majority of the pros, there are probably 15 pros that were there that were signing, you know, doing autographs. And so one of the things that Lifetime does is that they print out like basically baseball cards 
you know, so it has some stats on the back. It has a photo of the pro and, and, you know, you can, you know, they'll be there out there signing and handing them out to you. So I was able to meet, you know, several of them. Um, one of the ones that I'd follow is Isabel King. Um, so she is, um, you know, uh, you know, definitely one of those individuals that you can find on social media. Um, so I believe her handle is like is King, um, on Instagram. And she is one of those pros that it's interesting about the sport because most pros are probably being paid based on the results. She is one of those individuals that's not, she's being paid almost just as an influencer. So she's, you know, um, you know, very active on social media and, and very interactive with those that follow her. So if you tag her or you share something, whatever, she'll respond to it. So it was kind of cool to, you know, to have and, and to see how accessible, once again, these pros were, but to then meet her in person and, you know, have the autograph signing and stuff. And we've exchanged a couple messages, you know, through, you know, through Instagram. Um, and, you know, so I met a couple others, another one that raced for Pearl Zumi. I was wear, actually wearing a Pearl Zumi jersey that is was like this limited edition design um, that had these colors that kind of represented like, you know, uh, you know, dawn with the different, uh, you know, colors and hues with blues and pinks and orange and stuff. And so she was wearing the same type of jersey. So we talked about that and just kind of comment about what a cool design that was. And so you just kind of start going down the line. I've talked to another uh, pro there, Dylan Johnson, who is, I've seen a lot of his YouTube videos. The guy is really smart. He is a, a cycling coach as well. He's raced primarily like cross country and endurance type of mountain biking events. Um, but he's based up, I think in Brevard, North Carolina, and his YouTube channel is very, um, very scientific, very, you know, everything that he posts on his YouTube channel about training and stuff is, it's definitely backed by research. Um, so he's very knowledgeable this year. He's because the race has been more like race recaps and, and, and bike setup and kind of his thought process on, on how to set up the bike, what the course looks like. And so to see how he thinks and how to prepare for, uh, you know, bike, uh, uh, you know, race, like a, a mountain bike race or a gravitite race is, it was really interesting. So to talk to him, you know, it was, it was nice to see that. So, um, like I said, very pleasant, you know, really nice guy. And then I got down to the very end another gentleman that I've been following, uh, Alexi Vermeulen. And, you know, he's, you know, not only does he have a social media account, but his dog has a social media account because um, uh, he's got like a little, um, you know, wiener dog. And so he rides um, with him and, uh, and trains with him, you know, puts him on his back. He's got a backpack, special design backpack that sort of kind of carries him. So Sir Willie, is, you know, has his own Instagram account. And so he's as famous as Alexei Vermeulen, maybe even more so. Um, but it was cool to talk to him. And, you know, uh, Alexei uh, has a has a YouTube series that he's doing with uh, getting individuals to that have no, not a lot of mountain bike experience, but to get them to do the Leadville 100. He's done that for the last three years. So I followed that and was able to talk to him about that. And he is, has inspired me for something that I've got planned down the road. So we were able to talk about that. And, and so it was, once again, it's very cool to, um, to have a conversation uh, with these individuals and around relatable topics. So for me, that was, I was pumped to, to, to be able to do that, to have that connection with these individuals that, you know, you only see through social media, but, you know, really genuine down earth, you know, awesome individuals. 
Um, so, so, you know, after that it was like, okay, well, you know, got to get something to eat, you know, got to rest, you know, and got to tune up the bike, wash the bike. So went back to where I was staying. And this is the one thing I would say is that, you know, if you're going to do any type of bike race, you got to know how to at least do some basic maintenance on your bike. And that means like checking the gears, checking, you know, clean the, the chain, washing the bike, because, you want a bike to be to be you know feeling as brand new and 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 feeling as great as possible on race day because you know there is a saying that a a clean bike is a fast bike you know the same way i feel like you know when you wash your car it just seems to run a little bit smoother so i'm the same way so wash you know the bike check the gears lube the chain make sure everything's ready set up everything the night before as far as nutrition and what clothes you're going to wear looking at the weather um, and anticipating what you're going to need. So that's what I was doing Friday night. Um, weather conditions were supposed to be, you know, cooler in the morning. I think we were starting around like right around 51, 52 degrees. And we were expected to get, I think, into like the seventies and maybe 75, 80 degrees. Um, so, you know, you're thinking about, okay, well, what should I wear? Do I wear long sleeve? Do I wear short sleeve? You know, so I went with, um, with short sleeves, I was, I was, I, I didn't, I had arm warmers and I just like, I don't want to pull them off or I will pull, pull them down. I, I'll just, I'll be cold at the beginning. We'll warm up once we get going and let's just go with it. So short, short, uh, short sleeve Jersey hydration pack and my hydration and fuel consisted of tailwind in the hydration pack. So I had a liter and a half of tailwind in the back. I had additional packs of tailwind that I would be able to refill my pack um, at different points. Um, and then I did have one water bottle that I had, um, just so that I can use it to refill the hydration pack or just to just have water instead of, you know, tailwind. I also had a couple samples of the untapped maple syrup, and I had also picked up some, uh, scratch chews. So just the kind of gummy type of, um, from scratch. So that was my plan and was basically just drink when I'm thirsty eat when I'm hungry and let's just go with it. So the race was Saturday morning and riding from my place to, um, to the start line, I came across and saw, you know, obviously other riders were there, but I was just making the turn. I saw a gentleman there that, uh, I'm like, he looked familiar and sure enough, you know, he's recognizable because of his kit, you know, and it's a, a gentleman called Ben Delaney. He was, I think he was, uh, like an editor or did some stuff with, uh, like so, several different bike magazines in the industry. So he's well known. And now he has his own YouTube video where he does bike reviews and he races and does a lot of these races. So I followed him. Um, and you know, it's called enjoy the ride, uh, with Ben Delaney. And so I wrote up to him and I was like, Hey, are you Ben Delaney? And he's like, yeah. It's like, so we talked a little bit and like, Hey, love your videos. And, you know, so, you know, we rode, you know, a half a mile, uh, to the start. And so once again, another cool individual that I was able to meet. Um, so these are like, you know, meeting celebrities that you may, you know, kind of run into, um, uh, because you, you happen to follow them on social media. So, so, you know, the, the men take off first, they have their own start, the women's take off, they have their own start. And that's a big deal because in the past, the pro men and the pro women have had the same start. So to, for them to kind of start on their own, 
was a big deal for the women because now it was like a true women's race. They weren't like drafting off the men. You know, it, it was, you know, a bit safer because there was less, you know, men and less, uh, you know, there was just the women, same thing for the men. So it, I think it worked out. I think that's something they're going to continue to do at many more races. So that seemed like the feedback from the pro women was they really liked that. Um, and, and I think that's something that, uh, lifetime is going to continue to do. And then, so that started at 7.30. I think the rest of the group, the amateurs all started about 7.45. So the course, like I said, is 104 miles. And there are uh, basically two aid stations that are fully stocked with gel, nutrition, and um, water and, you know, bananas and, you know, uh, food that you can have, whether it's, you know, like cookies or crackers or, you know, pickles or whatever. And then they had two stations that were just water only. Although at one of them, um, that was, um, manned by, uh, chamois butter, they actually had a lot more stuff out there. They actually had, uh, bacon and they actually had whiskey. Um, and, uh, I did not partake of the whiskey. It was tempting. Um, but, uh, I did ha sample some of the bacon. I did, uh, fill up on water there and I, and whenever I could stop and I did make sure that I did stop to, you know, refill, check my hydration situation, uh, and fuel situation. Cause I didn't want to be out there and completely bunk. So you got to be very, you got to know and carry the gear and, and the nutrition that you need because you are going to be on your own. Now, one of the things, and this has had me a little bit worried because, in leading up and, and, and when I signed up for the race, they basically said, there is no on-course support. That if you have a mechanical, you have a flat tire, you are on your own. You better know how to fix it or you better have a crew of your own somewhere that you can call and come and get you if you can't finish the race. That had me a little concerned because I was going out there by myself. And I wasn't going to ask anyone I know and my friends, because they have lives of their own, to come out and spend 10 days out there, you know, um, you know, um, you know, in Bentonville and, and in Arkansas. So I was like, well, I'm just going to risk it, you know. Um, and, you know, I did talk to, you know, one of the local bike shop and asked them, I was like, you know, what's the gravel like? You know, it's like, do these tires that I currently have on my bike, are, are these good enough or should I upgrade and spend and buy something that's going to be a little bit beefier? And they basically said, you'll be fine. The, the, the tires you got, they're, they're fine. They're, you know, that's, you know, it's like, okay, great. Now I do run tubeless tires and I did make sure that before I left town, I had put extra tire sealant in there. So just a little bit more, just enough to where I could hear it sloshing around a little bit, if, you know, if I listened to it. Um, so the idea is that if you do get a puncture, the sealant is going to seal that, you know, puncture as long as it's a small, uh, you know, hole, it'll seal it and you'll continue to ride and you may not even notice that, you know, you had a puncture. But there were also you know, a lot of times, you know, you would hear things about, oh, well, they're, they're, the rocks are really sharp and they'll slice your tires and you'll get, you know, one inch cuts or whatever. So there was a little bit of that that I was concerned about. So, um... You know, I think in the days leading up to it, like, they basically said, okay, you know, it's like we'll have uh, Jeepers out there. So local people that are volunteers on, you know, Jeep Wrangler type of vehicles that will be patrolling the course and checking things out, making sure that if someone does have a mechanical um, and they can't continue, they'll, you know, give them a ride to the next, you know, um, aid station so that they can maybe get a shuttle or some way of getting back into town. So that eased my mind a little bit. So we head out and 
race starts 7:45, and you know it's a what they call a neutral start. So basically, you have you know a police vehicle that is sort of setting the pace, and everyone's supposed to like basically use it as a warm up. But there's still a lot of kind of jockeying for position, and people are you know moving up ahead and speeding up. And even though the actual race, the racing hasn't really started, not until the the, the lead vehicle pulls off, and that doesn't really happen until you start hitting the gravel. And I think it was, I mean, we rode for a bit and it seemed like it was, you know, maybe about seven miles before we actually hit, you know, the first section of gravel. So we take this right turn and then it just kind of opens up. Like everyone hits the gas and starts going really, really hard. So you get caught up in that. I know I did. And then it's like, okay, let's just back it off. Let's, you know, um, and so everything's going really well. We start doing some climbing, you know, I've got a Garmin edge. 1040. And one of the features of that is that it has a, a feature called Climb Pro. So what basically it does is it kind of alerts you, you've got a climb coming and it switches the screen to Climb Pro. And it sort of kind of shows you where you're at on that climb, what the uh, degree of elevation is. And so you can uh, sort of kind of adjust your pacing or, or your effort knowing how much further you, you've got. So that was welcome to see that. I will say at a certain point, I was like, not another climb, you know, and these aren't like major climbs. They're just short, punchy type of climbs um, that'll, you know, maybe be a couple minutes, you know, long, but they're, they're steep enough to where you do, did have to work a little bit. And there's a couple there that were really, really steep. Um, we did one where we took a right turn on loose gravel and then it was like really chunky gravel um, all the way up to the top. And the majority of everyone, you know, near me and around me was walking. I didn't see a single person ride up it. I think the only way you could ride up, you know, is if you had, you know, mountain bike tires and, you know, and the right gearing because the, and even then I think your rear tire would have slipped, um, because it was just loose. So we all ended up walking that, um, and there were times there that, you know, you're going downhill in some sections and I won't say they're like steep downhill. They're just long gradual sections, but you can easily pick up some speed and do about 30, 35 miles an hour on some of these downhills. Now, for me, one of the things that I realized is that, you know, you got to be very focused and very conscious of your surroundings and what's ahead of you. And it is in our nature for the most part, that if we start getting, especially on a bike, if we start, you know, losing a little bit of control, we start going a little bit too fast, we start feeling a little bit uncomfortable or out of our comfort, uh, you know, level, we start hitting the brakes. And that's probably one of the last things you want to do, at least not hit them hard. You know, you want to feather the brakes and maybe scrub off some little speeds so that instead of, you're go instead of going 35, you might be going 30. Um, because, with the gravel being as loose as it is, you know, you start hitting the brakes, your front tire can lock up. It can actually, the gravel, if you slow down too much, will actually could divert your tire and, 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 you know, and that's when you kind of can end up in, in trouble. A lot of times you just want to let go of the brakes and let the, the front tire just kind of slice through the gravel and create that path um, that is going to separate that gravel and allow your rear tire to kind of go through. And there's also times where, you know, I was hitting the brakes and the rear tire skidded. There are times there where, you know, you just, the rear tire just kind of locks up and loses traction and it starts getting in the, and the rear tire just kind of moves a little bit to the left or the, to the right. So you got to really be focused and kind of know how to position your weight 
so that you don't lose that traction and you don't lose control of the bike. I actually saw a guy ahead of me. We just come down this one section. He ended up passing me and we were at the bottom of the climb. It had started leveling out and I saw him just wreck. I mean, I don't know what he hit, um, but I know he went down. I know it wasn't an easy, you know, I, I know he hit, he must've hit, you know, relatively hard. But as I rode past, I did, you know, ask him, it's like, hey, are you okay? And he said, yes, he was fine. So I didn't see any blood. I didn't see anything too bad. But these are the conditions that this course, you know, um, you know, uh, that can, you know, can happen on these courses. Um, and I saw a lot of videos post-race when I got back into town and a lot of, you know, recaps. And yeah, there were some parts there where like a lot of people crashed. I saw the pros crash. I saw a, a video. I don't know who the pro was. But I saw him and it seemed like he just did a Superman flying off the front of his bike and face planted. And I'm like, I never found out who he was. I never found out, you know, what happened afterwards, you know, how well he was doing or, you know, you know, and, but it just, it was, it, I mean, I just saw it and at the speeds that they were going, um, you know, maybe, yeah, 30 miles an hour, um, you know, if it was, you know, relatively flat, it could have been 20 25 miles an hour if it was completely flat. I have no idea based on that section. It was just a really quick, you know, three second clip that I saw. Um, and there were, and it was so bumpy at times that at some of the downhills, it was basically what we've called, you know, for those of you who have skied, and I know, you know, I've skied in the past and we've nicknamed and called it a yard sale. Basically, you start seeing stuff flying off the bike, and a lot of it is bottles. And I saw one section where, uh, you know, came across and there's, you know, water bottles everywhere because the bike is bouncing around so much that it's actually kicking the water bottles out from the bottle cages. So you, that's where you know it's like, uh, this is kind of rough. And so I was very concerned about that and trying to be very conservative by not going too fast, but at the same time not hitting the brakes to where, you know, I'm going to potentially injure myself because I've locked the front wheel or I've lost traction and I'm sliding um, because that's another thing. A lot of times individuals, if they don't know how to take a corner, especially on loose gravel and you take it too sharp, too fast, you're going to lose traction at some point and you're going to end up sideways and in sliding on one of your sides. Um, and, and, you know, you know, and basically falling and wrecking at some point. So, um, so there, there's that aspect of it, which like I said, makes it kind of exciting, makes it kind of a little bit scary, but if you're, if you've got the right kind of skills and you're at least have had some mountain biking skills, you can, you can, you can overcome this. So I think just basic skills is going to be good. The other thing that I would say, and I'm so glad I did this. I, and I remember this from my, uh, first gravel race when I did up in North Georgia, uh, for the, um, gaps gravel ride. I was beat up afterwards because there's a, at that ride, there was uh, a five mile downhill finish. And when I mean downhill, I mean, it was downhill the entire time and very rocky. And I wish I had a mountain bike instead of a gravel bike. So my triceps were beat up. I felt like my upper body was like completely wrecked. So in my training, that's one of the things that I ended up doing is working out my upper body in order to, you know, build that strength. And so I could have that endurance uh, to ride. And I think that helped me on these downhills, um, was to be able to absorb that impact, to take the abuse from that, 
pounding of the of the front end of the bike as you're rolling over, you know, chunky gravel and even coming on, you know, even some drops that, you know, and by drops, I mean like maybe five to six inches where you're, where you drop, but be able to shift your weight, stand on the pedals as opposed to sitting the entire time, shifting your weight forward and backwards on the climb. So I think those are things that uh, I think contributed to me not having a horrible race and not wrecking. Um, at this point, at some point, you know, like, I don't know at, at what point I was, and I didn't find out about this until after the race was over, but at mile 50, one of my riders that I follow, Isabel King, is King, wrecked at mile 50 and got a huge gash um, on her, uh, under her forearm um, that required stitches. Um, uh, reading her Instagram story uh, after the race, um, I think she was with someone who I guess had some experience with, you know, these type of injuries and they, and, and, and basically said, take off your sock and make it a tourniquet in order to kind of slow down the bleeding. Um, it was a pretty deep gash. Um, and I know that based on the photos, the way she fell, she ended up landing on one of her, uh, hips. So she had easily, I'd say a six to maybe eight inch hole in her bike shorts. So her entire hip was exposed, but it was, um, you know, what we call road rash. If you're a road rider, this was, I guess, gravel rash and it was not pretty, but to her credit, and I mean a lot of credit, she continued and rode all the way to the finish. And I'm like, huge respect to those pros, to those individuals that can, you know, tough it out there and, and make it all the way to the, to the finish. And so, yeah, she got treated at the finish line and ended up going to the ER for follow-up to get the stitches and get, you know, properly cleaned up. Uh, and even now weeks later, it's finally starting to heal and I'm sure she's going to end up with a scar, but it's, uh, it's, it's in a pretty impressive story of what she was able to accomplish. So, um, like I said, this is like at mile 50 so far for me, everything's going well, halfway through the race, everything's going well. You know, hit the first aid station, you know, somewhere around mile 30 or so, um, you know, I ended up using the bathroom, um, taking a, a, I can't remember exactly what I, what I ate. I think I ate a half of a banana. Um, I think I refilled my water bottle, uh, checked everything and then headed on out. Um, and then I remember... I, I, you know, it, it kept going. It was, it was a mile 70 where I ended up having difficulty. We're doing a bit of a climb and all of a sudden I could feel my inner thighs start cramping up. And I thought, oh man, this is not good. And so I started backing off the effort. I started, you know, going to an easier gear and just spinning. I actually ended up pulling off the side of the road just to take a breather, just to take a break. And it's like, okay, let's just, let's massage the legs out a little bit. Let me take, you know, a salt tab because I did bring those as well. And, and, and then just, you know, so I took, a, a, I'd say maybe three to five minutes there and then got on the bike and start off again. So that was mile 70. I didn't realize how close we were to an aid station, but at the same time I took, took the, you know, I'm glad I took the break because at mile 74, you know, and approaching mile 74, we saw a big group of people that were cheering in this kind of open field type of area. And that led us into the next aid station, which was at a brewery. And so you kind of come there, and of course, at this point, 
the Garmin Climb Pro comes on and it's just at the base. So the brewery's at the base of this climb. So, you know, pull in and I, once again, I'm like, I'm getting water. And, you know, we had the opportunity there based on the, you know, the tickets that we had on our, on our race bib, on our race number, that if we wanted to, we could go into the brewery and grab a beer and grab a hot dog, you know, for free. That was all included in that. And I was tempted by the, by the beer as well, but I was like, I'm cramping up. The last thing I want to do is to drink a beer and, and put myself in a, in a worse situation. So I started just drinking water because I started getting tired of Tailwind. I'm a fan of Tailwind, but sometimes with anything, you know, you start getting tired of the taste. Uh, it starts feeling the same. And I was like, let me just start drinking some water. Let me cleanse the palate. And so I started doing that. I actually sat down and I probably spent maybe 10 minutes there uh, making sure I ate something. Um, I can't remember. They had some food there and I, I did eat some, some, something there. Uh, it wasn't a banana. It may have been like some sort of like cookie or something or, or candy or, or something, but I did that, drank water and then got back on the bike, headed out. And at this point it was, I would say it's probably one of the steepest climb. Like everyone I passed was walking their bike up. And so I'm, I felt good in the fact that I'm actually being able to ride. Um, and at one point I was like, all right, at what point am I going to, you know, is it going to get difficult to where I'm going to have to get off the bike and, or I'm just going to fall off the bike. And luckily that didn't happen. So it was at this point we, you know, we came up on this, from this gravel road and then hit this one section of asphalt. And there were times where you're on asphalt and it kind of switches, but it's primarily gravel. But this section here, we actually hit asphalt and there was a gentleman ahead of me and I, you know, I loaded the course, um, onto my Garmin. And so I was getting turn by turn directions as I approached the turn, it would you know, alert me and tell me what direction to go. So that was very, very helpful because they weren't really any signs out there to tell you where to turn. There weren't any markings. There wasn't, you know, in some places you might've had a volunteer or someone that told you kind of where to go. Um, but over a 104 mile, you know, stretch of, of course, with so many different turns, they just didn't have them and couldn't have individuals at every single turn. So we're riding a, you know, and all of a sudden I, I see that well, I'm supposed to make a right-hand turn, but this gentleman ahead of me had passed it. So I'm yelling out to him, you know, Hey, you got to turn, you know? And so he luckily came back, you know, thanked me for it and seemed like he'd been having kind of a bad day because he said something like, you know, he said, thanks for that. He goes, I can't, I, I've made too many mistakes or I can't afford to make another mistake or some along those lines. So really important to, in the preparation for, you know, a bike ride is that, you know, you should, you know, have a way of loading your bike, you know, the course onto your bike computer so that you have that as a reference. And they actually updated the course uh, two days before because the finish line in the, the last few miles you know, they had to change it because of some construction. So they rerouted the course. So I was able to do that in the, you know, I think the night before. So look, I'm glad I did that. Um, so, you know, we head out and at this point it starts, you know, you start getting to that very flat, what you would expect, you know, gravel roads to be out in uh, kind of in that area where it's just really long, straight gravel, very flat, which is welcome because we've been doing a lot of climbing, but it also gets a little kind of monotonous and you start kind of catching up with people and you're riding with groups. And that's the other thing that I tried to do is as much as I could, I tried to draft off other individuals um, because, you know, it just, you know, allows you to uh, extend your endurance. 
And if people were drafting off of me, I was happy to do that and, and kind of alternate and switch. So, um, so that was great. And then we came out in this one section to like, I think it was the last, uh, water stop. Um, and that was manned by Garmin and they had a couple, you know, like, I think they had some candy there and some other stuff. But at that point, I think we were maybe about 15 miles out, um, from the finish. And I knew I had enough between the tailwind I had in my pack, which I had already refilled at mile 70 and, and, um, and I had water and I still had shoes. Um, so at that point I was like, I'm good to go. Let's just, let's not just, you know, let's not bonk. Let's not go all out. So let's pace ourselves and, and, you know, and, and just, you know, try to maintain a steady effort to make it to the finish. So ended up, you know, you know, coming back and, you know, at that point I was like, where, where am I at? Where am I at? Because the thing that I didn't realize about this, even though it's in Bentonville, Arkansas, and it's in Northwest Arkansas, I would say at least half or more than half of the course is in Missouri. So we actually rode outside of, you know, Arkansas into Missouri. And I, I don't know what point we entered and came back in a, into Arkansas. Um, and so we're riding and all of a sudden I'm like, is, does this look familiar? Does that look familiar? And I'm like, I think this is it. You know, I'm like, and, and because we had pre-written the course, you know, um, you know, in, during the shakeout ride. And like I said, gravel roads, they all probably all start to seem, you know, looking very similar. And, um, but I was looking at, you know, my GPS and kind of seeing where, what mileage we're at. So I was like, okay, well, I know we're close. I'm like, I know that we rode 15 miles out. So I should be seeing something around, you know, I think mile 80. Yeah. Somewhere around mile 80, I should be seeing something that looks very familiar. And sure enough, I was like, oh yeah, this is the part, part where we ended up doing that, you know, the out and back and we all stopped, just starts looking familiar. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I know I'm close. And so mentally, it's like, okay, you can do this, you can do this. And, you know, came back to this one section and where I thought, oh, well, this is where we turn left. But because the course had been rerouted, um, that's not where we turned because that's where we, we where we turned to go back on the shakeout ride. So I followed the Garmin and it ended up taking us out to, you know, a little bit further before we took the turn. And I started seeing areas where that looked familiar because I had ridden that, uh, I think on Tuesday when I was doing my uh, mountain bike ride around Crystal Bridges, I was like, oh, this looks familiar. Yep. I was on these mountain bike trails. I know this area now relatively new this year. I still didn't know how much further we had. So they got us onto the mountain bike trails and, um, and, you know, and they did have individuals there that were providing direction because the mountain bike trails were open to those that were just out there enjoying their day, you know, that were not part of the race. So that was helpful. And then you start seeing the, you know, you know, things start looking a little bit familiar and then you come out onto, into this residential area. And, and I'm like, yep, this is exactly where we came out for the mountain bike race. So now I knew I was probably, you know, less than a mile and there were volunteers there and individuals there and, and, you know, a couple of kids were like, you got half a mile, you can do this. I'm like, yes, awesome. I'm, I'm almost there, you know? And so came across the finish line. I am just elated. I am just super pumped. I'm excited. I'm tired. And, um, you know, I ended up riding, it was eight hours and 49 minutes. Now that's total ride time. That doesn't, you know, if it, it, it was closer to eight hours of riding, if I hadn't stopped at all and, and all that, but 
you know, for me, it doesn't matter. Um, it was almost nine hours, you know, total, which is what I kind of expected. I figured based on my pace and base I've been training, I was kind of expecting a nine hour finish time. So to finish under nine, you know, um, you know, I was very happy with it. You know, my average, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, ride, you know, my, my speed was 12.9 miles per hour, which I'm happy with because most of the rides I've been doing during training, you know, I would start out at maybe around 14, maybe 15 miles an hour. And then afterwards sort of like slow down. And, you know, when I, if, if I was bonking and there were times where I did do that, I slowed down to about 12 miles an hour. So to be up, to, you know, around 13, I felt really good about that. So, you know, um, we finish and, you know, they hand you a, like a finisher's cup, a, a, you know, a metal finisher's cup and, um, you know, head out. And then, you know, you're out in the town square where, where you finish. And at that point it's sort of like, all right, I'm exhausted, but everyone, you know, is, is, is there and, you know, bikes are like everywhere, you know, they're like leaning on everything you can think of laying on the ground, leaning on every post and every barrier that was there. And, uh, so trying to find a spot to put the bike, take a, take a break, figure out, all right, am I hungry? What do I want? What do I want to eat? And, you know, that was one of the things that they, you know, part of your finish, you got to eat something. And they had these food trucks there that kind of gave you a $10 credit towards getting anything at the food truck. So I was like, let's do that. Let's go. And, uh, you know, I think I ended up having a couple of tacos afterwards. And then I did want to celebrate with a beer, but I was like, I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm, I, I was like, I, I don't want the alcohol. And luckily they did have athletic brewing was one of the, um, you know, as, I guess sponsors that, and, and they had a tent and booth there. So I went up and got one of their non-alcoholic, you know, IPAs. Um, so that was good to have like, you know, just a taste beer, you know, and to celebrate, um, without having the repercussions of, you know, the alcohol to kind of make you feel hungover. Cause I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to save that for later. There's a, there's a party going on afterwards. Let's just, for now, let's just recover. Let's take something in. And so I was able to eat and then, um, you know, talked to a couple of other individuals that were there. Some had ridden the 50 mile course. And, uh, so we we're kind of sharing stories and the folks at untapped, you know, uh, I was right behind their booth and their little trailer and they come over and they've got soft serve ice cream. And so they're like, Hey, here's some, some ice cream. So had some of that. That was great. I, I was like, I can't remember the last time I've eaten ice cream and, you know, soft serve. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, and a cone, it was like a waffle cone. It was like, Oh, it was the best thing ever. Um, so did all that. And then I'm like, all right, let's grab the bike. Let's gather all my stuff and let's, you know, head, head back to kind of get cleaned up. And so I ended up doing that. Um, I can't remember if I ate something at the house or not. I knew that there was a dinner, you know, at their party. I think I snacked on something, um, only because I'd had the tacos as well. So I was like, I don't, I'm not like, I don't want a big meal. So I think I snacked at, you know, with something at back at the house. Um, and then the evening finished with what they were calling their gravel rave. So they threw this rave party nearby and I drove to it only because I could have walked, you know, but I didn't want to walk in the dark and to get there, there's some areas there where, you know, there's traffic and there's no sidewalks, um, because there's construction going on and I didn't want to ride my bike over because I spent eight, nine hours on a bike. I was like, I, I don't want to see a saddle set on a bike for at least a few days. So I drove there and yep, they had food there. And, um, what was it they had? Oh yeah. They had shawarma. 
I've never had shawarma before. And so that was kind of cool. And, you know, did have, you know, a couple beers there. Um, people were dancing, partying. I don't know how they had the energy to do that. I just kind of looked on and kind of took in the vibe, took in some photos and video. And, uh, and then it's like, yep, I think that's it. I'm done. I'm, you know, going to bed and, you know, went back. And so it was, uh, you know, overall, it was a great race. It was an incredible experience. Um, I would love to do, you know, this race again. I would love to go to Bentonville. Like I said, I fell in love with Bentonville. Um, and somebody even asked me, it's like, would you move there? Would you live there? I'm like, I like the idea of it. Um, but you know, I don't know what I would do there. Um, I think it's too expensive. I think the cost of living is a little bit high there. I don't know what it's like in the surrounding areas in Fayetteville or, you know, uh, in the suburbs, but that area there I know is, is kind of pricey to live. Um, and I think I'd have to work for Walmart. Not that that's a bad thing. I just don't know what I would do for Walmart. Um, so, um, and I wish I would, I, yeah, I would go back and visit. I just wish it wasn't a 12 hour drive. I wish it was much closer and I know it's expensive to fly. It's, I think it's, someone said that's one of the most, uh, more expensive airports to fly in. So would I go back? Yes, I would. Would I go back next year? Probably not. Um, I would probably wait a few years. Um, before I do go back and in the meantime, do other gravel type of events. See, you know, my plan for next year is to do more local stuff, maybe here in Georgia, maybe North Carolina, South Carolina, but more regionally that's within a, you know, let's say a two to three hour drive um, to the event as opposed to 12 hours. And that way I can, you know, ride a bit more, do a couple more races, um, and, uh, and, and not, you know, blow an entire budget on, you know, on, you know, on an Airbnb. So, um, so yeah, so I, I loved it. I'll keep following the Lifetime Grand Prix. Um, like I said, there's the writers that I'll continue to follow. And like I said, you know, still follow is King. And we did exchange, uh, you know, Hey, hope you're doing well. Hope you're recovering that type of stuff on, on Instagram. And I, you know, she saw me do New York city marathon. Um, so, you know, very cool because like I said, everyone's, it's very relatable. Everyone's very friendly, um, exchanging those ideas and having conversations for me, it was very cool to, to, to do that. And I'm not one of those fans that like, you know, seeks, you know, individuals. I'm actually kind of want to respect their world and their life, but they're very down to earth, everyday people. And so it was very cool uh, to do that. So, um, so yeah, like I said, it's an, it was exciting uh, race. I, I was pumped about being able to do something like that. As far as how did I feel overall? Um, I, I mean, I, could I have gone faster? Yes. Could I finish quicker? Yes. We can always do that in hindsight and look at what could I have done? Could I train more? Could I have done more? And yes, that's a possibility. But for the effort that I put in, I was very happy with, with the way I, you know, basically performed, um, because it was, um, you know, I never really bonked. I never really had one of those instances where, you know, I just completely, felt wrecked. Um, like I said, I did experience a little bit of, of cramping. I was able to recover. Mentally, I was focused. Mentally, I mean, the fact that I didn't crash, the fact that I didn't have a, a mechanical, all things were just really, really uh, good and gave me a lot of confidence in my ability, you know, what I can do, what I can challenge myself to do. And that is part of one of the reasons I signed up for this, why I signed up for something that was so difficult. Um, because I wanted to push my boundaries of what I'm capable of doing, knowing physically how much more can I go, how much more can I do, 
Um, how much, and can I do it and not completely wreck myself? And I was able to do that. You know, um, you know, I was surprised that my garment said that it was almost 7,000 feet of elevation gain. And I think when I did the six gap ride, it was over 7,000 feet, but it was 72 miles. So this is almost the equivalent of that, except spread out over 104 miles. So well, not quite as hilly, it was a lot longer ride. So both rides, I would say, I felt awesome. My training felt great. I think my nutrition was was spot on, like I said, except for that little bit of cramping there. Um, but I felt really good. And like I said, it just, I think it made me feel better uh, as a cyclist, where I feel like I can confidently say, yes, I am a cyclist. I have more confidence now um, with my bike handling skills. And not to say that I'm awesome or anything like that, but just from where I was coming, you know, from it just, I, I know I have, uh, I've grown in my ability to handle a bike, how to ride a bike in th those type of conditions and to push myself to those, you know, to those longer distances, harder climbs. And so I feel really pumped and I was really energized and I came back, man, I was on, I was like on, on a high and this is all going into you know, two weeks before New York City Marathon. So that gave me the confidence as well for New York City. And that's where we're going to leave this because New York City Marathon was another great race for me. I'll tease it with that. Um, and once again, even gave me even more uh, confidence as to what I could potentially do. And so um, that will be on the next episode. So I hope that, you know, you know this inspired you. I would encourage you to... If you have any interest in gravel, do you know, or any type of you know, you know cycling, you know, take a chance, go out and give it a try, see kind of where you're at, try to experience something new, meet new people, um, and I think that's that's to me that's where I think I get that sort of kind of joy of life and just really um, to see where I'm going, to see how I can push myself, and uh, and to meet new people, have those conversations, and just have that social interaction with other individuals that, you know, are maybe going through a the same type of journey, similar journey. So um, I do uh, hope uh, you take that shot, that you um, you know take a little bit of a risk to try something new and different, and uh, and so until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing yourself. See y'all. <laughs>